Last time we were talking about the conditions for entrance into God's rest. And we were in Numbers chapter 14. Uh, you don't have to turn there because um, I'm just going to kind of read it for you. So in Numbers chapter 14, I'll just give you the synopsis, verses 6 through 9. You can write that down and read it on your time. So they were getting ready to enter into the promised land. Let me just go to Numbers chapter 14 and read it. Okay, and then I'll, I'll explain. Alright, verse 6. So this is, this is the children of Israel now getting ready to occupy the promised land. All the tribes have already been designated what part of the country they're going to occupy. So then verse 6, Joshua now is speaking and he said, but verse, verse 6, but Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephner, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes, and they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to spy out is exceedingly good. Now, and, it's, and they were saying, If the land the Lord delights in us, then we will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. And they said to the congregation, Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are bred, they are our bread, their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us, do not fear. So the thing is, he's saying, do not fear. And the congregation said to, were well, ready to stone them with stones. So you have Joshua and Caleb, and those who believed were saying, yes, we can do it. And those who didn't believe were saying, no, we can do it. And they were ready to kill them, to stone them. So those who believed, they pleased God because their words and their actions revealed their faith. Their words and their actions revealed their faith. That is very important for us to remember. That what we say must always be backed up by what we do. Or what we do must back up what we say. Because what we say is important, but what we do is more important than what we say. All right? So because of their faith, because they believed they were, they were rewarded with rest, they were allowed to move in and go into the promised land. Now in Hebrews chapter 4 verses 1 and 2, you don't have to turn there, this is all recap. Those who did not enter into rest, they all, they all heard the same message as Joshua and Caleb. But there were those who chose to believe and those who, do, those who did not believe. So that's why they were, they weren't allowed to enter in. So the conditions for entrance into God's rest is faith. The conditions to enter God's rest is faith. And faith requires obedience. It requires submission. It is voluntary and it's a choice. God never, when they never ever ask us or force us to do anything he will, he will present it to us, but we have a choice in whether we want to obey or not obey. Whether we want to do it or not do it. The Lord will never ever usurp our own will. He will never do it. So faith requires a heart that is open and yielded to the will of God. So submission to God's will takes a person into a state of tranquility because they have to release the burden. If you trust God and you submit to his will and his word, the responsibility is no longer yours, it's his. 
So the burden is released to him and not you don't have to carry it. The only reason you carry that burden is because you don't trust him and release it to him. And that's very important to remember. That's an act of faith. An act of faith is releasing the burden to God and leaving it with him. So we also talked about the COVID-19 or the coronavirus epidemic last week where people's provision and protection are threatened and for many it has been taken away because some people have died, some people have lost their jobs. Now the spirit of fear has gripped many because of uncertainty, because of death and the anticipation of loss. However, the child of God, the believer in Jesus Christ can live in God's rest in the midst of the fear and chaos. And how can we live in God's rest? Because if you remember what rest means, to be in a state of tranquility, to be in a state of peace, to be settled down. So if you are in Christ, God has already given you what you need to live in a state of tranquility. No matter how much chaos is going on around us, we can be in a state of tranquility. What does that mean? Our souls and our spirit can be at peace. Amen. Our souls and our spirit can be at peace in the midst of the chaos. We can enter God's rest now and live in that state of tranquility because God has given us his word, the written word, He has given us the incarnate word, which is Jesus, and he gave us the Holy Spirit. So we can only enter in if we receive what the word we receive is mixed with faith. If we believe what we have heard, if we believe what we know, then we can enter that rest. That is acting on what we know and what we believe. So that's kind of a recap of what I spoke about last week. Okay, so I'm going to go into the message. I won't keep you very long. So this is conditions for entering to God's rest. So what I'm going to talk about today is not only enter into his rest, but staying in his rest. We could enter in. The challenge is not only entering into his rest, but staying in his rest. Because this is where the challenge comes now. With everything that's happening around us, that we don't get distracted and turn back like the children of Israel but that we keep our minds and eyes focused on the Lord. So we stay in his rest. Amen. Let's go to Joshua chapter 22 and then verse 4 through 5. This is Joshua now speaking to the people as they're going to enter into the promised land. And he said to them, chapter verse 4, And now the Lord your God has given rest. Okay. To your brethren as he promised. Now, therefore, because he has given you rest, return and go to your tents and to the land of your possession, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you on the other side of the Jordan. But here's here's the kicker, verse 5. But take careful heed to do the commandment and the law which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you. To love the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to keep his commandments, and to hold fast to him. And to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. Now what I want to show you there, 
We are not under the law, so we don't follow the law. So when he says, take careful heed to do the commandment and the law, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, we don't follow the law. We are under grace and we are in Christ. So when I, well, when I read this, I say, I don't use the law, I use the word of God. So he's saying, take careful heed to obey the word of God, love the Lord, walk in his ways, Keep his ways. Hold fast to him and serve him with all your heart. Now that was a warning Joshua gave them. He said, go to your place of rest, but be careful to serve God, walk in his ways, and keep and, and keep his ways. That's a warning. So the reason why I read that, that's a condition. It's a condition. So when I read that, I said, there's an opposite to that. If you don't walk in his ways, if you don't keep his word, you won't be at rest. So they were warned to remember to love the Lord, to walk in his ways, keep his commandments, hold fast to him and serve him with all their heart and soul. This was so that they can dwell in the land in rest. They could be at ease. They can be in a state of tranquility. They can abide in peace. Those were the conditions. Okay. And we know later, if you're a student of the Bible, later they disobeyed God and their rest was disturbed. They were harassed. They, they were invaded. They were displaced, etc. They never had rest. Why? Because they always disobeyed God. Always disobeyed God. So God is only obligated to keep His word. If we do our part, He is obligated to keep and do His part. If we keep his word, he's obligated to back up the word that we kept keep. Why? Because God always keeps his promises. He always. If we don't keep his word, he's not obligated to help us and back us up. Why? Because we are not walking in his ways. Do you understand that? God is a loving God, but he's also just. And he'll never ever go against his own word. If there's anything you remember, remember that. God will never go against his own word. Never. He won't do it. He can't do it. Because if he goes against his own word, he cannot be trusted. He cannot be trusted. Alright, so in Christ, understand, we are not under the law, but we are under grace. And we have a better covenant. That's why we should thank God for, for Palm Sunday. Thank him for Good Friday. And thank him for Easter Sunday. Because of what he did he has made available to us a better covenant through the shedding of his blood. Glory to God. And he also resurrected, went into the Holy of Holies in his own blood. Not the one made with hands on earth, the one in heaven. So in Christ we have a better covenant. And therefore an opportunity for the true rest which God always wanted for his people. When a person comes to Christ by faith, as some of you all did today, Christ enters in that person's heart by faith, and that person enters into rest. There is a calming of the conscience and reconciliation or brought into good relationship with God because that person realizes and experiences the forgiveness, the compassion, and the mercy of God. There is a love and devotion to Christ through the experience of that rest. 
And that rest becomes an internal rest, not a rest based on what we see outside or experience outside. It's based on a rest that we have internally, a rest in our souls and our spirit. So the Holy Spirit with the human spirit gives us a sense where we are free of guilt and condemnation. That is where the rest comes from. We are free from guilt and condemnation. So the key to staying in rest, and this is what uh, the, the, uh, the message is about, staying in his rest, is to be free of guilt and condemnation. When you're always walking in a state where you're free of guilt and condemnation, you're walking in God's rest. That, oh my God, that is good. You and you can walk in a state where your soul is free of guilt and condemnation. You're walking in God's rest. You're always walking in the light. You're walking by faith. When we trust our own efforts instead of Christ's power, we are in danger of turning back. Our own efforts are not enough. We can't do enough to be at rest. We can't do enough to earn salvation. We can't do enough to be good enough to be loved by God. The only thing we have to do is trust in the finished work of Christ. And that is enough for God. Because it's the power to remain in rest. The power to be a child of God. The power to say Steve. It has nothing to do with us. It has to do with what Jesus accomplished on the cross. And what we are willing to do to trust and be with him. And, and learn from him and walk in his ways. So we have to depend on the power of God which we have access to only through the Holy Spirit and through Christ. So as I said, we enter God's rest by faith. To remain in rest requires us to build up our faith. Actually building up our faith, our own faith, is contingent on what we are willing to do. It's within our power to strengthen our faith, to make it strong, or to have weak faith or no faith. It's all up to us. Building up and strengthening our faith must be a constant pursuit. We must be consistent and disciplined. There are no shortcuts to building our faith. Everyone must build their faith the same way. So it doesn't care if you're rich, you're poor, you're black, you're white. It doesn't care about your economic status or your social status. Everyone is on a play, on a flat playing field. There is no special recognition or no special a way for anyone to build up their faith. Everyone has to do it the same way. Isn't that wonderful? That is a wonderful thing. That is a glorious thing. We all have to do it the same way. So how do we build up our faith so that we can stay in rest? That we can be in a place where we have a clear conscience free of guilt and condemnation before God. Where we can be and live in a state of tranquility. Well, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to touch on three things or four things very quickly. First of all, we have to know the Heavenly Father. We only can know the Father by knowing Christ. Because Jesus said in Matthew 4, 4, that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. He also said in John fourteen six, I am the way, the truth. And the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So we have to know the word of God. So the way you know God. 
The way you know the Heavenly Father is through His Word. Because God and His Word are one. When we know the Word, the Holy Spirit reveals that Word to us. It's not just words on a page anymore. It becomes living to us. And then we know God's character and God's ways. We have to know Him intimately. And the way we know Him is through the Word of God. And the Holy Spirit takes that Word which we read and bring it to our remembrance and also gives us understanding of it. So we know God's ways. So we get to know Him through Jesus. So the Word of God says, when Jesus said, if you see me, you'll see the Father. Right? So when you know Christ, when you pursue Christ, you get to know the Father. Because Jesus and the Father are one. Jesus is the Word. The Word is God. God and His Word are one. So God and Jesus are one. And you want to hear something amazing? Because we are in Christ, we are one with Christ, we are one with the Word, and we are one with the Father. So we are also one with the Father and one with Christ. So you get to know Him through Jesus, because Jesus is the only mediator through which we have access to God, the Father, and therefore the means to know the Father. Jesus is the only way to know the Heavenly Father. I don't care what anybody says. There is only one way to the true, the true God, and that's through Jesus Christ. There are many gods, but there's only one Elohim. There's only one El Shaddai. There's only one I Am. And that's through Jesus Christ. That's the God I'm talking about. I'm not talking about any other God but that God. Amen? Alright, so the second point. The Word of God must be the truth. And let it govern our lives. In Proverbs 1, 7, the word of God says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And that fear that means that you are afraid of Him. That fear means that you reverence Him and recognize His authority. So that is the beginning of wisdom, of knowledge. Just recognizing His authority is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. When you reverence God, you can learn because we recognize our spiritual inadequacies and his spiritual authority. You can only learn from someone that you are willing to subject yourself to because the person you're willing to subject to yourself to is the subject matter authority. And you are not, you are wanting to, you want to learn what they know. So you have to subject, subject yourself to their authority. So the only way we learn from God is to subject ourselves to His authority. And His designated spokesperson is Jesus Christ. He's the one that we have to go through to get access to the Father. So He's the one through which we will learn the attributes, the character, and the ways of the Father. Because Jesus says, I and my Father are one. Also in Psalm 119 verse 105, the Word of God says, your word, Lord, is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. What does that mean? A lamp allows us to see in darkness so we can see where we are going. So he said the word of God is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Basically, all it's saying is that the word of God is our means which we navigate this life. So we don't walk in darkness. The word of God is the lamp for our way that we live this life in Christ. It illuminates the way we ought to walk. 
And when we see through the word how we ought to walk and we walk in the ways of the word of God, we are walking in the light so we won't be stumbling in darkness. Our spiritual eyes are open and we'll be walking in the ways of God and navigating the pitfalls of this life. That's what it means. The word of God is the light, the spiritual eyes, so that we can navigate this life. Point number three, meditate on the word of God. Pray in the understanding and in the spirit and fellowship with the saints. I bundled this together because I wanted to just get a few points. I didn't want to make this too long. Number one, what does this all mean? Meditate on the word of God. Pray in the understanding and in the spirit and fellowship with the saints. Number one, the Holy Spirit will give understanding when you meditate on the word. So what does that mean? You read something. You read a chapter or you read a verse. Sometimes you read and you stop in your tracks on a few words. You stop and you meditate on that word. You don't force yourself to read the chapter. You stop and you meditate. What does meditate mean? You take that word and you keep rehearsing it in your mind. And you ask the Lord, Lord, what does this mean? The Holy Spirit will reveal it to you and teach you what it means. He may do, he may do it in that moment or he may do it later on. But he will teach you. So you meditate. You take that word and you rehearse it in your mind. Ask the Lord what it means and the Holy Spirit will teach you. I'm not saying this to make it sound like it's some, some magic. I'm saying it because I have experienced it personally and I've always been experiencing the revelation given to me by the Holy Spirit because I choose to stop and meditate on the Word of God. Number two, the next part. Pray in the Spirit. Pray in the understanding. Praying in the Spirit just means you're praying in another tongue. Don't worry about that right now. You can always learn that later. But pray in your understanding. God doesn't care how eloquent your speech is. God cares about your heart. You speak to God. Tell Him what's on your mind. Tell Him what's on your heart. And He will hear you. Because the Bible says, God will not despise a contrite heart and a broken spirit. He always listens to the, to, to the, to genuine prayer, prayers of His children. He will never ever forsake your prayers. But just make sure when you pray, you don't pray selfish. Okay? Because God doesn't answer selfish prayers. But pray. And he will give you understanding. And sing. Worship. Singing with your words. Sing. Don't be afraid to sing to God. Don't worry about what you sound like. Just sing. And sing with all your heart. Fellowship. Because we have different gifts. That's why we fellowship. So now we can't actually come together. But we come together through an electronic medium. All fellowship is about is that every person in the body of Christ, everyone in Christ has a different gift. And we have to come together, whether it's together physically or through this electronic medium, we all come together because we all have a gift. And we all have to use that gift to help and edify one another. Especially in troubling times. Especially when people are going through things. So you may have something to encourage me I may have something to encourage you. We are to edify one another so that we can help build up our faith. So when we have to deal with the daily grind, the daily 
things that challenge us, that keep us awake at night. When we here to edify one another, because the Lord, the Holy Spirit, will use each individual's gift to edify each other. That's how we, that's what the body of Christ is about. That's what the local church is about. That's what we are about as people who come together to worship God and have a service. It's not about me. I am giving my gift to you to help you, but you also have to give your gift to help each other and help me. I need you, you need me. We are not an island by ourselves. We need each other, especially as we see the troubling times in the world multiply and, and becomes more intense. We need each other more than ever before. And my last point, four, act on the word of God. The word of God says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes. Faith comes, but you have to receive it. <laughs> faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, but you have to receive it. So we prayed that prayer earlier. You prayed it, but you had to receive it for it to take a hold of your heart. For the Spirit of God to come in, you have to receive it. So faith comes by hearing, but for that faith to be, to have power, you have to act on it. Acting on it was the confession you made based on the word you heard. That is acting on what you have heard. So faith has to be, the word of God has to be acted on for it to have power in your life. Faith, because faith without works or corresponding action is dead. You can hear the word, you can believe it, but if you don't act on what you hear or believe, it's dead faith. It's not going to benefit you because you're not acting on what you heard. You're not acting on what you say you believe. You have to act on what you have heard for faith to have power in your life. I hope you got that. Amen. Okay. So we have to have the courage to obey the word of God. It takes courage because a lot of things God may ask us to do by the spirit or in the word don't make sense. But you have to trust his word and trust him that if we do what he says that we're supposed to do, that it will benefit us. And it's true because he will never go against his own word. What God's word says it will accomplish that. The word of God will never ever return void. We have to have the guts now in the midst of everything to believe it and act on what God's word says we ought to do. For example, the word of God says love your enemies. Do good to those who persecute you. Do good to those who despitefully use you. Honestly, that's not something I want to do. I don't want to do that, but I have to do it. Why? Because I understand the ramification and the consequences if I don't do it. Because the Bible also says what we sow, we will reap. If I don't, if I sow hate because somebody hates me, if I persecute someone because somebody persecutes me, I will reap what I sow because I am sowing persecution, I will reap it. But if I sow forgiveness, I will reap forgiveness. If I sow love, I will reap love. And also, if I, if I love that person, I am also put in a position where the Spirit of God can, can snatch that person from their hate into love. You gotta understand, we have to have the mind of God because the world, man deserves death, but, but God said, 
I am not going to wipe them out. I will send my son to die so that they don't have to. Whoever choose to believe him don't have to die. That is God showing love and compassion. And that's the same heart. That's why he said, love your enemies. That's what Jesus did. Jesus came because God loved, loved us. We are man, man separated from God is an enemy to God. He doesn't know it, but he is always in his mind, in his thinking, in his actions, his behavior. He's always working contrary to God. So he's an enemy. So God sent Christ so that we don't have to be enemies with him anymore. Enemies to God. God showed us compassion. The same way we have to show compassion. That is what it means. When we have to do sometimes, Holy Spirit or the Word of God will ask us to do things we don't want to do. But if you know God, if you trust His Word, and you do what He says to do, we will benefit from it. Why? Because everything with God, those who walk in the light, is always about being blessed. It's always about being blessed. And the fruit of our lives manifest the glory of God. Remember these four things. First, we have to know the Heavenly Father. Second, the Word of God must be our, must be the truth in our lives. Third, we have to meditate on the Word. We have to pray. And we also have to fellowship with the saints. And number four, we have to act on the Word of God. We have to act on the Word of God. We have to believe and act on the Word. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop there for today. And there, you know, these are some of the things we must do to build up our faith. That is how we stay in rest.